Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On today's episode, we're joined by Russell Midori. Russell is a documentary filmmaker and news photojournalist who is also the president of Military Veterans in Journalism. I thought it would be appropriate to talk to him as Veterans Day approaches. Hi, Russell. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you for uh, joining us. Russell uh, served in the Marine Corps. He's written more than 300 print pieces, worked as a video editor, produced stories for CBS Morning and the Evening News, done long-form documentary work on several pieces, been a local TV news photographer, and been a director of photography. Hopefully I covered everything. A lot to cover there. Special emphasis certainly will place on MVJ. But first, I want to back up a little. How did your upbringing play a role in your journalism career? Well, I was born in New York, born in, born in Brooklyn, but moved around a lot when I was, uh, when I was young. Uh, my family was poor by American standards. Well, I thought we were poor until I actually started going to places where uh, I, I learned that poverty was something that I had no real understanding of. Um, I, I, you know, to be a, to be a kid in, in America is, is an enormous privilege, uh, as I learned later on in my life. But I think it was when we, um, well, probably when we when we bombed Kosovo, and and I I don't even remember who I was watching, but I remember watching a broadcast, a live broadcast, and it and it cut out after some bombs went off, and somehow I remember thinking, I can do that. That's that's where I want to be, you know. And uh, something about the adventure of of working in the field always appealed to me. When I joined the Marine Corps too, it was it was about the adventure, and it was about uh, not just learning stuff and. Uh, you know, building, building um, credibility, but actually doing the work, actually doing the, the technical work of journalism that I got to do um, as a Marine. Can you give us the background on how you uh, joined the Marines and how being in the Marines informed what you do as a journalist in terms of, I guess, what you learned, what you were taught and, uh, and how you progressed? Sure. I joined the Marine Corps as an old man, an old man for Marines. Anyway, I was 22 years old when I joined. I was bartending in Manhattan. And I remember thinking I was not going to join the Marine Corps. I went into the office to go talk to uh, either the Navy or the Air Force because I didn't want to make my mother cry. And uh, those guys didn't show up to work that day, though. The only guy there was the Marine Corps recruiter. And uh, oh, he was brilliant. I remember he looked up from his newspaper. He looked me up and down. I said, I said, Oh, is the Navy guy here? Is the air force guy here? He said, no, those guys aren't here today. Didn't even look at me. Didn't even give me a glance, you know? And I said, Oh, well, what do you do? You're a Marine, you know? And uh, he looked me up and down and he said, ah, it's not for you, which I spent the next 20 minutes convincing him I'd be a great Marine is a brilliant, brilliant move. (laughs) But I had no idea that such a job as journalism existed in the Marine Corps. Uh, Maybe I had some idea I had seen, you know, uh, uh, what was that movie with with Private Joker working at Stars and Stripes. Um, But I didn't really understand that there was a job in which you could be a photographer and a news writer. That recruiter connected me with somebody who did that job. And I got to speak to him. His his name was Sergeant Orr. And uh, he spoke to me about the Defense Information School, which is basically it's like the art school of the military, really. They've got combat illustrators there and combat photographers and and writers. And they teach everybody um, in all services, basically the technical work of journalism. Of course, this is not actual journalism. This is in some sense, public relations. This is, these are 
quote unquote journalists who are paid by the military um, to be soldiers and, you know, writers and photographers and things like that. But what it does do is it gives you a whole bunch of technical proficiency. It really teaches you the ins and outs of how to write a news story, how to be a photographer. And later on, when I applied for jobs at newspapers, I found that my skills very easily transferred over. So how did you go from there to here? While I was in the Marine Corps, I, I never got deployed while I was on active duty. Um, I was stationed at a non-deployable base, Paris Island, South Carolina, where they make Marines. So it was, it was basically like being at boot camp for, for three years. Um, but in that role, I mean, we had, uh, we had Mark Oliva, who was a, a really fantastic senior enlisted leader of the Public Affairs Office and taught me to be a really good journalist, I would say. And, um, and I learned how to do stories that were, you know, um, with a quick turnaround, stories that were longer form and, and really learned how to find my voice as a writer. And then from there, I sort of... Uh, uh, bullied my way into a job at uh, Bluffton Today, which at the time was a daily and then later became a weekly newspaper based in South Carolina. And that was my first real newsroom that I got to work in. And uh, Barry Kaufman, who was there, one of the editors there, um, he helped me to get the job. You know, I had no college degree, of course. I had the experience of writing AP style news stories for a base newspaper, but of course, it was a very different experience actually being in a newsroom and doing journalism and uh, competing with other uh, news organizations in the area to, to, you know, get the best picture of Joe Frazier or whatever we were doing <laughs> that day, you know. But it was a wonderful introduction to journalism. I still love print reporting the most. I still have print in my heart, you know. The only reason I became a photographer that I really, really worked to improve my photography was because I found that if I had really great art for my news stories, I had an, a better chance of getting on the front page. So uh, that was that was why I initially got into photography and then photography took on a life of its own. And uh, and now, I, I, you know, I love photography more than anything, but still print has a, a very deep place in my heart. And I love I love writing and I love that aspect of storytelling. And now you're in uh, a completely different world from that, although essentially not necessarily different, but kind of uh, parallel with um, your work as a as a camera person and producing and editing. Um, how did you go from that from one to the other? When I when I first got out of the military, I. I had a sense that I wanted to do more with video storytelling and I wanted to build an art form around shooting and producing videos. And I went to college then for broadcast journalism at Brooklyn College. And then I went back into the Marine Corps as a reservist and did a deployment to Marine Forces Europe and Africa, where I really had the freedom to explore the art of video storytelling. And I had a lot of uh, support from my unit that basically let me run around, do whatever I want. I got to shoot really cool videos of myself getting maced and practice doing on-camera work and stuff like that. And so um, that plus I reached out to a whole bunch of documentary producers. And one of those documentary producers who I reached out to was Zach Badorf. And we ended up doing a lot of projects together. We, uh, Zach Badorf, who now is, is the co-founder of Military Veterans in Journalism with me, 
we started out together as professional colleagues in journalism. And Zach was a really talented freelancer and he was a really talented video shooter and editor. Um, he might still be better than me at that work. Um, and, you know, we started out by doing cool projects together. We did Race Across America, which was a bike race uh, that went from California to Maryland. And we learned that we worked together really well and we both enjoyed working in the field. And so after that, we went to Haiti and uh, we went there for the 2015 elections and uh, which obviously now um, the, the, the president's been uh, assassinated. And for my work in Haiti with Zach, I won an Overseas Press Club Award, which I was very humbled to receive. And in doing so, I gave a speech about Chris Hondros, who was kind of my, my first mentor in journalism. He was, I was a bartender at the time. This is even before I joined the Marine Corps, actually. I met Chris Hondros as his bartender at a party when he was coming back from some war-torn country. And, um, and he stayed in touch with me and, and he was, you know, I send him emails with the photos that I was taking and he would rip them apart and tell me why they were terrible. And it was great feedback from a real pro. But uh, so I spoke about Chris Hondros during my acceptance speech for that award. And a lot of people knew him and it really touched a lot of hearts in that room. And after winning that award, a lot of doors opened up for me. One of them being CBS News, where I worked for almost three years, um, initially doing uh documentary style kind of a kinetic documentary program that I worked on uh, called CBSN on assignment. And then after that, in a staff role traveling around uh, the country and and really the, the whole um, Western hemisphere and doing cool uh, doing 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 stories that were often spot news day of air stories. And it forced me to become a good breaking news photographer, breaking news producer. And I sort of got bit with that bug. And from that direction, you can either go the production route and be a producer or you can be a, a technician. And for me personally, I love the technical aspect of the work. I love the shooting. I love the editing. I'm not, it's not like I am, um, it's not like I'm exclusive to that. I, I still, you know, value having editorial control over my pieces, which is partly why I love working at Channel 11, because you know, there's not that many cooks in the kitchen at Channel 11, as opposed to some other organizations where there's just a lot of leaders and a lot of lawyers and a lot of uh, stuff. And whereas I, I, I really enjoy getting somewhere, driving my news truck there, you know, shooting the story, getting the interviews, editing it from the truck, transmitting it through my satellite transmission into the Empire State Building and getting it on air you know, two seconds after, uh, after you, after I shot it live. So um, I'm not sure if that answers your question. That's kind of a roundabout way of, of how I got to where I am, but uh, that's the work that I do. And that's the work that I love. You shoot, you edit, you produce, whether it's a piece on the military prepping for a potential action with North Korea for CBS or a feature on musicians playing for people waiting in line in a food pantry that I recently saw uh, WPIX. And you say, quote, I bring a cinematic aesthetic to the news I shoot. What does that mean and what's an example of it? So after working with Zach in uh, Haiti and, uh, and at Race Across America and seeing the way that he shot and the way that he was able to edit a package and turn something over in a very short time uh, and, and it looked beautiful and I was very impressed with it. And I kind of began to do my own independent reporting 
sometimes for Brick Arts Media in Brooklyn, or sometimes uh, just just for myself to to build the skills and to to report on something because I had a passion for it, and I had really no money was the problem. You know, um, I had the desire. I think I had the the a lot of the technical proficiency that I needed, but I had no money, so I had to figure out ways to take this cheap camera. I'm not going to say which camera I had because I don't want to, I don't want to insult it on air, but I had to figure out how to make all this, this really affordable equipment work in a way that was beautiful to make it appealing to the audience and, and to make it something that I was proud of. And so I spent a lot of time figuring out how to make something look beautiful on a very small budget. And it was out of necessity. It was something that I had to do. And in doing so, it brought a lot of attention to my work and it gave me more opportunities and helped me to earn more money. But I still kept a lot of those same cinematic principles of how to tell a story through video and in a way that is beautiful and engaging. You know, the work of journalism you're not creating so much, you're not creating beauty in the world, so to speak, but you are finding beauty in the world and you are figuring out a way to show that beauty in a way that your audience will connect with and in a way that will feel authentic. And um, so, so basically cinematography became the way that I tell stories. And there are a lot of tricks that I do with my, with my more high end equipment that I, that I shoot on now. Um, to, you know, whether it's you're crushing a background or whether you are doing some kind of cool effects with the shutter or whether you are incorporating gimbals or other stuff. I, I love to really explore the full range of equipment and how it can be used to uh, tell a story cinematically, because that's that's the way that I appreciate journalism. Before we segue to MVJ, do you have a story that you're particularly proud of uh, from re- we'll go recent? Yeah, you brought up the uh, the North Korea story. And one of the things that I love, first of all, Vlad Drupier is an incredible reporter. And it was a real pleasure to work with him for the, I think it was about two and a half weeks that we worked on that story. And that story has a lot of examples of, you know, we threw every trick in the book that we could to, to make it beautiful from doing, you know, a GoPro inside an F-16 to um, actually live, not live, but, but actually, you know, um, narrating as it happened a mid-air refueling of a b1 bomber from a kc-135 strata tanker and the reason that i love that is because we had to be so creative you know how do you get audio on a on a on an airplane with no insulation and you're hearing the engine around you all the time you know we had to solve all these problems and we did it in creative ways and um it was really exciting to be able to work on a story that was related to the military as well and um and also to tell the stories of a lot of the uh, the airmen and the, the the sailors and the soldiers who were part of that story, and bring bring their story into the into public view, and um, so so that's a story that I'm that I'm really proud of, especially from a cinematic perspective. Let's use that to segue into MVJ. Can you just uh, introduce the organization to people that might not be familiar with it, uh, what it is and what its mission is? Military Veterans in Journalism is a professional association. You know, it's a group of, of those who have served, also family members. And, uh, and I'll announce right here, I think that we are going to start including children of service members as well as eligible members. Right now, um, you have to be either a veteran or a spouse. Uh, but 
we will start uh, bringing in all kinds of family members, people who are acquainted with the military community. And this started out as a very informal mentorship program. A lot of people would reach out to me and probably to Zach as well. And they would know that I had a good job in journalism and people were getting out of the military and trying to figure out how they could get a good job in journalism. And I would try and give them advice. Or sometimes if I didn't have good advice for them, I would connect them with people who could um, give them advice or, or, or sometimes get them a job or an internship. And it grew out very informally in that way. Now it, it's become something where uh, it's, it's, it's an official 501c3. It's a professional association where we, we've created this community, this community of service members who are now serving their country in a different way. They're working in journalism. And through this community, we don't just advocate for veterans in, in newsrooms, which we certainly do, but also we train them. You know, we want to give them the skills that they need to succeed when they do get a job in a newsroom. And, and we've become kind of a pipeline where newsrooms come to us and they, 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 you know, when they're looking for new talent or when they're looking for somebody who can handle a military and police beat or something like that, they come to us and we, we act as, uh, you know, kind of a, a, um, a, a way to, uh, to intermediate between the journalism industry and the veterans who are working in journalism. One of the things that you recently announced was that you've teamed with the Institute for Nonprofit News, a favorite of this podcast, and CUNY's Newmark Journalism School to award two newsroom fellowships to military uh, veterans. Um, how many members do you have? What are some other things that you have in the works? Well, we have about just under 500 members right now. And uh, that is that is growing and we are we are uh, uh, expanding all the time and, and bringing in new members. Uh, the CUNY partnership is something that's very important to me because I have always felt that CUNY is a great school. And now with the um, with Craig Newmark, I think it's it's probably one of the best journalism schools in the country. Plus, it's a state school. So, you know, uh, our members are able to in many cases, our members have access to GI Bill benefits that enable them to attend that school um, without racking up massive student loan debt like I did. And, um, you know, so, so we are so happy to be partnered with CUNY and Craig Newmark and with uh, Institute for Nonprofit News. And um, I, think that, I think that that partnership will yield many, many things, but it, at the very least, I'm hoping to get a lot of, uh, a lot of our veterans to attend a school like CUNY, because I think it's a great program. And other stuff that we have on the horizon, I mean, uh, oh boy. We're planning different stuff all the time. You know, right now we have just updated the platform for our mentorship program. So we're going to be uh, uh, recommitting to that and, and building that up bigger and stronger. Um, we have, you know, our, our mentorship program is very much the, the heart of, of what we do. It works by recruiting top reporters from around the country to volunteer as mentors to, to our veterans who are a very diverse group, many of whom are just beginning their journalism career and a lot of them don't have any idea how to break into the news media industry. So in our mentorship program, each veteran who comes through receives three handpicked mentors over the course of six months um, that, that's selected based on their specific goals and their experience. And we've just received money from HFPA to keep this mentorship program uh, going and improving over the next five years. So um, that's sort of the big focus for us right now is to strengthen this mentorship program over the coming months. And, um, but you know, there's a million different ways that we are, uh, uh, expanding and helping. One of them is that we have 
free training available uh, through Pointer, which is a, a school, a, a, you know, a world-class journalism school that, that um, offers programs online that our members can attend for free. We also have, um, you know, just so many things, so many things on the, on the horizon. And, uh, and now that we've just finished our convention, we're finding all kinds of new partners and people who have a stake in our mission and people who want to help us. And we're really identifying that there is an enormous need for what we do, more than we ever anticipated or expected. And uh, so we are grateful for all those, all those people who are part of our community. And we're going to continue serving them uh, as, as good as we can to, to, to get them up to speed in journalism. Those who are already up to speed, are, uh, we're working hard to get them good, well-paid positions in journalism. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's what we're working on. Yeah, I want to segue back to something that you wrote. What I've learned from covering civil unrest for the Overseas Press Club, um, you provided a number of tips that uh, reporters can use when they are uh, in situations where they are covering something uh, that could be particularly uh, stressful. Among your tips, avoid reporting alone, contact police beforehand, uh, empathy, and uh, don't fall if you get hit, keep moving. Uh, those among the, the things that are in the piece, which we'll link in the show notes. And I want to uh, kind of take it back to uh, the military side. Um, what were you trying to convey within that piece? And then I have a follow-up that just amounts to, uh, have you found that uh, people with military training are able to handle these difficult situations because of their military training? That was for the, uh, you know, um, so I serve on the, the board of the Overseas Press Club Foundation, and we figured out that a lot of the people who had won Overseas Press Club Foundation awards or who were aspiring to do so were often kind of going out on their own and doing their own reporting, which is great and we encourage it, but it's very important to do so as safely as you can. And so a lot of the advice that I gave in that came from my own experience, mostly as a journalist, uh, some of it as a, a Marine. But um, I don't think that this was advice. A lot of it I've learned sort of the hard way in the field. Um, and, uh, and some of it I've been, I've been lucky enough to just kind of learn from my colleagues or learn through different types of training and stuff like that. Are veterans better suited to work in dangerous environments in the field? Not necessarily. Um, I, I, in many cases they are. I think that veterans are... Uh, they tend to be a little bit better in an austere environment. Um, at the same time, though, it's like, you know, I don't want to I don't want hiring managers at newsrooms to think that they're going to hire veterans and that these are just going to be some G.I. Joes that you could put them in any situation and they don't care about their safety or anything like that. I, you know, I um, I want to I want to make sure to avoid uh, uh, making it, making it seem that way. I think that veterans are especially qualified in general as employees in general, though. I think they make very, um, very good employees. I think that they have an excellent BS detector. They're able to tell when they're, when they're reading something that's not true or when they're getting a government statement, they don't, they don't blanket trust the government. You know what I mean? They've, they've, uh, they've had some real interactions with the government before. So I think that, um, I think that journalists are, sorry, I think that veterans are very well qualified to work as journalists, but if you're going to be working in a dangerous environment, you need to take it very seriously and you need to get 
uh, all the training that you can. You need to know that the training that you did, whatever, 10 years ago in the, in the military may not stick with you and you need to, you need to keep training yourself and, and, uh, and stay very vigilant, keep your head on a swivel. Um, that said though, I do think that it is one of the strengths of veterans that they are, uh, they are able to work in, in challenging environments and, uh, and there's other things that that they're not as good at and they need, you know, they need civilians to work with them as well. You know, um, sometimes actually I saw that you I don't know. Did you interview Kelly Kennedy? She said during the MVJ convention, Kelly Kennedy said something which was so insightful. I thought she said uh, she would she would go into a place and, and sometimes being a veteran worked against her as a journalist because she would look at something and think, oh, that's totally normal. And, and a civilian would come and say, hey, there's not supposed to be mold in this room, you know? <laughs> and so, so it kind of works both ways. And I think that the role of MBJ is to soften the military-civilian divide that exists in journalism, to get more veterans working with more civilian news reporters so that they can contribute to the national dialogue and that they can learn from each other uh, in the same way that it, it, it's beneficial in a newsroom to have any diverse staff, any diversity on your staff that, that come in with different experiences. The slogan for military veterans in journalism is building community, supporting career growth, advocating for veterans. Veterans bring perspective, nuanced understanding, and on-the-ground experience about the military and veterans affairs that ultimately benefits newsrooms and news consumers. That from your website. Uh, like two more things before we let you go here. Your group has a podcast, if I'm not mistaken, Sword and Pen. Tell us about that. Oh, that's correct. That's, I mean, first of all, that has been done in a, in a, in a completely volunteer format for uh, everybody who's, everybody who's, um, who's participated in that has really just done it out of love. And we did have Kelly Kennedy on there too recently, which was an excellent episode that I, that I highly recommend uh, people listen to. Um, so much credit has to go to John House and Rich Dolan and, and uh, some of the people who, um, who really were, were behind making that a, a, a great podcast and uh, and interviewing some awesome people and um, you know that's uh, the podcast we do it's it's a labor of love it's it's our voice out in the in the world and uh, and we're very uh, happy to engage our audience in that way. How can a civilian help your organization? The best way to help MVJ is to engage with us. Is to you know check out the events that we do. First of all. We've made uh, recently all of our virtual events, all of our virtual training events, which are which are funded by the Knight Foundation. Very, very gracious uh, uh, donations that they have made to, to be able to do that. Um, but we have multiple trainings every month and we make them free to pretty much any journalist. If you're a member of any journalism organization, SPJ, NAHJ, NABJ, AAJA, um, whatever other J, J organizations there are, um, and really, if you're just a person who's kind of interested in journalism, you can attend, you can interact with our community, you can ask real-time questions from the people who we have and engage with us. You know, and, and, uh, and that's what really helps us and that's what helps our members is to engage with other journalists. You know, we used to make this, a, when we first started, we made this a very exclusive thing. You can only be a veteran, you can only, um, you can only engage with us if you're a veteran. But then we just got a bunch of veterans sitting around talking to each other, you know? The, the, the whole point of this is to, is to, to mix that water together and, and get everybody together and, and see what we can all create together. And so we're a very open organization. 
we 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 you know our convention we just had a we just had and we, we made it free to anybody to attend and we had so many people who showed up and and showed an interest in our mission so that's the number one thing is show up get involved in our organization check out our website become a member if you're eligible um if you're not eligible though there's still a, a hundred ways to engage with us you can still become a lifetime member uh, if you are, if you're kind of an advanced professional and you want to make a, a donation, a contribution, but um, the thing that we are most looking for more than anything is engagement with the world of journalism. All right. And last question. Is there another organization or person that you're not affiliated with that you would like to salute for their good journalism work? Someone not at all affiliated with our organization uh, would be I guess Thomas Gibbons Neff, who works for uh, the New York Times, and he's done excellent reporting in Afghanistan. Uh, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. He's not a member of our organization, but we would certainly welcome him uh, to do so. All right, Russell Midori, uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck with your group. Thank you very much. You can learn more about military veterans in journalism by going to their website, mvj.network. And before we go, I want to tell you about a podcast that I find interesting, Democracy in Danger. All over the world, democracy is getting turned upside down. So what can you do about it? Join Will Hitchcock and Sivavid Yonathan on Democracy in Danger. Each week, they interview brilliant guests who are helping them save government by the people, one episode at a time. The last month, they've done a series called Some Fine States, looking at some issues with democracy getting disrupted in Texas, Virginia, Colorado, and Florida. Find Democracy in Danger wherever you get your podcasts, or visit dindanger.org. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at journalismsalute at gmail.com.